Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're going to be talking all about how your neck can be contributing to headaches, migraines. So if you've been struggling with these for a while, we're going to unpack how the neck can contribute to that. Hopefully you guys are going to find it really, really helpful because these sorts of issues, headaches, migraines, etc., can really take it out of you. They can make the day essentially useless. Um, so we want to give you guys a few strategies to effectively understand these and then more effectively remedy them uh, from home. And there are really important things that we can do. So we're going to cover a bunch of different things if you're new to the channel please do consider subscribing we do these live streams every single weekday we always have q a and today is going to be no different so if you've got questions on headaches if you've got questions on migraines and if you've got questions on your back pain then please do post those in the comments below lara's the other side of the camera and she will be going through those questions and we'll be addressing those at the back end of today's live stream so with that being said let's get into today's topic So I thought I'd start things out by just or, or sort of uh, helping you guys understand uh, what we're actually talking about on the board and what area of the body that we are actually looking at. So I've taken uh, just some images off Google, some screenshots, and you guys, just to help you understand which part of the head we're talking about. Now, a lot of people aren't aware that there are a number of nerves and blood vessels that come out of the base of the head, they go over the top of the head, and they can give us things like headaches uh, through cutting off the circulation or irritating those little little nerves that come out of that region. And this, is, this leads to the term cervicogenic headaches. And this is quite important because any strain on the neck itself can lead to aggravation in this region. As we'll see on those images just to this side here, um, when the alignment is not good, it really affects the space that is available in that area. And therefore, if you're wandering around trying to get relief from your migraines, etc., but you're doing things that are not helping the underlying structure of your neck, then you can be sort of just going around in circles and not effectively dealing with the issue. So hopefully by exploring some of these topics, you may find it gives you relief. And the reason we're touching on this is because time and time again, we have patients coming into the clinic saying, I've got migraines, I've had them for years, or had them for, for, for months. Um, they're referred to as migraines, etc., but they don't necessarily fit all of the bill. And it's almost like they've been diagnosed with migraines as a, well, we don't know what else it is, so just take these and they don't really help. Um, but when we start to explore that person's neck, uh, through x-rays and imaging and we start to treat it as a neck issue they start to find that these migraines and these headaches start to dissipate uh, relatively quickly and that can really mean a, a big difference on someone's quality of life their day-to-day -day activities etc so really important to understand this and it's very easy for us to rule in or rule out whether it is an issue so I've done some really good quality drawings on the on the board behind me and I just want to help you guys understand what we're looking at. So in the top image on this side here, we've got a bad neck um, and in the bottom image, we have a fundamentally pretty normal neck-ish. And the main thing we're looking at here is not so much the neck alignment, we can get into that uh, a little bit later, but we're actually looking at the top part of the neck, the very top part. And that is this blue line here. We've got a, a, a crossed blue line here and a blue line here. And those are represented on the images just over here with that blue line. I've highlighted that bone so you guys can understand where we're talking about. And this is the C1 vertebral body. And then this little swooping 
uh, blue line here and blue line here is going to be the base of the skull that we can see in both of the images on the side over here. And then obviously this square looking bit is going to be the jaw. All of these images, the drawings and the images that you're seeing here are all facing the same way. So they're facing towards me. Um, so that helps you guys understand. And obviously where the, the blue part of the skull is, that's the back of the spine. And the first thing that we notice is the way in which the spine is going in towards the skull. And that really is, 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 is problematic for the neck itself, but look at how much that affects the space. And this is what we really want to talk about here. There's a number of things that can contribute to this. First and foremost, if you look at the space here, I've highlighted this in black. When we have the normal position, which is your lower image on this side here, uh, there, that one, the lower image, there's lots of space for these nerves to come out of. And I've put the nerves here and the blood vessels are the red. So the red ball and then the line that comes out is the nerves and blood vessels pathway. And this is obviously a rudimentary drawing. There's plenty of space there for those to come out. Even as the spine is undulating as we're moving around, that space isn't going to be affected too much. So if, for example, we're on a bumpy, in a bumpy car journey, on a bike, or on a horse, and we're bouncing around a lot, we have plenty of room to maneuver. We've got plenty of scope for shock to be absorbed without any particular structure starting to irritate one another. When we have this structure on the side here, we see that the space, much like in the drawing up here, the space between the skull, the blue bit here, and that C1 vertebra is reduced dramatically. There's a much, much less space for those nerves and blood vessels to come out. And then if we also consider the shock absorbing capacity, it's very difficult to visualize how that structure is really going to weight bear. What normally happens in those is that the skull just goes up and down here and really irritates this area here. So if you've been doing any sort of, you know, um, impact work, maybe you've been on a particularly bumpy car journey, this can really aggravate this area and can lead to things like headaches and migraines. And we'll get into a little bit later what we're gonna do about that to help these situations in particular. But we also wanna talk about some of the other structures uh, and implications that make this worse. Because in these two scenarios, we have very little space so that it's primed to be irritated and we have a lot of space. Then if we go down to the structure, we have a nice balanced spine. The curve is there, it can absorb shock nicely in a uniform way. Whereas this one here, the spine, and you can see it in the x-ray, I know the drawing looks quite uh, you know, ridiculous compared to this one, but you can see the x-ray up here, the actual difference is bending forwards, the whole thing is going forwards. And then the only backward bend that comes from this neck is at the very top here, which is why there's so much congestion in this region, and that is a neck problem. Now, the pain itself may not be down here in the neck, or it might be, but often we get these headaches, etc., at the top, and migraines that just do not go. So this, this spine here, headaches and migraines aside, this spine is not going to absorb shock effectively. So what is? Well, this top part here is gonna to have to take a little bit more of the work, and therefore, an area that has less space less adaptive capacity is having more work asked of it than this one that's gonna share that load nice and evenly throughout the whole thing. So that's two things working against the one on the side. And then finally, we've got that muscle support. And a very, very easy way of doing this, this is like a bow and the muscles make up the string. And if the bow is supposed to be that long and we have a, a measure for the length, if we reduce that bow and make it bend the other way, what happens to the muscles? They are stretched over a longer distance. What happens in reality there is we pull the skull back a little bit and that further compresses this region up here as we can see uh, from, from the drawing and you guys can see even in the static position up here 
we have that compression of pressure through that region. And what is that person gonna feel? They're gonna feel tension along these areas here. And what are they gonna do in response to that tension? Maybe they've been to the osteopath, the chiropractor, the physio, or the massage person, and they've said, oh, it's very, very tense along here. Let's stretch it even more. Well, we already know from this example here that it's already elongated. Do we really need to be elongating it more? Or should we be doing things perhaps that help adjust this part here, the neck? Because if we can move this part here back to this point, as the neck goes into the skull, this vertebra is going to be in a better position with more space and somewhere between here and here so that we can start to create a little bit more room for those nerves and blood vessels to come out of the base of the skull and then go to wherever they wish to go to provide you know, the, the, the relief, if you will, from these sorts of migraine symptoms or just reduce the vulnerability to getting these migraines and headaches uh, on such a regular basis. So there are things we can do and I'll cover that now. And as, as always, if you've got any questions about the images on the side here or about the great drawings on the back here, then please do post those in the comments below and we can get to those towards the back end of the live stream as always. So what are we gonna do? The main objective here is really to restore a degree of alignment. And this is, is very, very similar. In this example here, the consequences may be a little bit different to what we see in the lower back. It's the same sort of story. It's the fact that we should have a nice, smooth, backward bending curve. We've lost that backward bending curve and the consequences of that are difficulty in our body to overcome the stresses and strains of daily life, be it sitting in a taxi or in a car or on a horse or on a bike. And the same problems arise for those with lower back issues where they have a loss of that curve. So we want to support the curve. We've been through this time and time again on the live streams, but you can see how this advice of bringing your body from a position of bad back towards a position of good is just so important and what it does on a structural level to everything you know, in terms of the damage and degeneration in the spine but also in terms of the free space that there is available for things to just function in a normal manner so we've got the band exercise where we place the uh, resistance bands if you haven't got these you can get them on the backinshapeup.com website but you place them around the, the neck here in the middle portion of the neck and simply use that or even your collar to just look up slowly we're just pumping those movements and what that is doing is placing a transverse movement through the spine here to help it bend backwards that is a very very important one and we're going to do around about uh, 10 to 15 repetitions of these that will help just open out those joints and as these bend backwards we get a bit of pressure taken off the skull we want to avoid any forward bending any of those forward bending movements which are just going to worsen the forward bend down here. Lara's just popped that band out for us so we can show you guys what I'm talking about. This one's a little bit of a small one, so use the strongest band you've got if you've got the band set and we place it in the middle portion of the neck right here and a nice way of understanding where we are as we run our finger down the bottom of our, down the back of our neck, we'll hit a very bony bit. That is the bottom part of your neck. So we want to be in the middle. We don't want to be on that bony bit, apart from if you've had x-rays and we've given you specific guidance. So just bear that caveat in mind. And then all we're doing is we're just pulling forwards and looking up. And this can be really handy if you're sat in a chair. Some people find it a bit uncomfortable if they're standing, they tend to lean into it too much. It's just a neck movement. So if we really relax back into the chair, we're just going up like that. Now we can add, because quite often if someone's stuck in this position here, they're gonna have a lot of muscle tension on the front of the neck that people just aren't aware of. So you'll find that as we go back, if we just tilt very slowly to one side, we're gonna stretch down the side. And if we go back and we tilt very slow to the other side, 
we'll get tension, tension down the other side. And we're just stretching those muscles that need stretching off to help relax them so they're not pulling our neck into this forward bend position quite so much. So that's a very, very important one. But as you are doing these exercises, you must do them very slowly, particularly the left and right one. A very, very important one. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, then simply just do the extension one nice and slow. You may have been told to avoid extension in the past, and there are reasons for that, but if this issue is going on, doing it very slowly and gently is gonna cause you absolutely no problems. If you get any dizziness because you have any inner ear problems, then that's a difficulty. We can't really get around that. But some people with inner ear issues like labyrinthitis, etc., may find they're a little bit dizzy when they do this. So sit down, try it tentatively once or twice, and once, you're, once you know you're okay, you can crack on with this. The next one is that rolled up towel. The rolled up towel, around about that big, so take a hand towel in the bath, roll it up and place it in the same spot so it is supporting the neck and you'll lie on there for around about two, three, four minutes at a time. You can go up to five minutes. I wouldn't suggest you do any longer, but again, you should feel it like it's supporting this arch here. So in terms of that bony bit I mentioned as we come down the back of the neck, we should not go further down than that bony bit and the towel should sit somewhere around there and it's just supporting that natural curve in the neck. It's gonna unload some of those cervical discs. If we've got any associated trapped nerves or anything like that in the neck, then it's gonna help take pressure off those. And it's important to remember that if we've got a neck like that one up there, we are running the risk of getting, thing, getting trapped nerves and irritation further down, which can give you pain across the shoulders. It can give you pain between the shoulder blades on one side or the other, because this neck here is not very good at weight bearing, at load bearing, and is susceptible to getting injury. So we want you guys to have these sort of tools to help reduce the likelihood of you injuring yourself. And if you do injure yourself, you know what you can do. And of course, they have that real benefit if done two or three times a day, it'll take you a very small amount of time, maybe 10 minutes, with a little bit of icing on the neck at the end for three to five, straight over the middle portion of the neck. So you can take an ice pack, fold it up, place it inside the band, and then just hold it there like so. So you've got it in place. That way we can just relax, hold the ice pack there and it's done. Rather than walking around the house for five minutes like so, that's not gonna be helpful for you. So do it like that. The little extension exercises with the band, the towel for three to five minutes, and then the ice for three to five minutes or so at the end. Doing that a couple times a day, doing it consistently for a period of days, trying to avoid the forward bending of the neck uh, where possible because that's gonna aggravate things. Try and ignore any tension here because that will ease. You should find that that eases after doing the towel exercise as well. And that should start to show signs of impacting your migraines if you're doing it correctly. One final word of note is do not put the towel up here. If you put the towel up here, that's going to make you worse because it's gonna, if I show you guys on here, if we put the towel up here, it's gonna push your head forwards and make this forward bend worse. So please don't do that. And with that being covered, we can go into Q&A. Okay, brilliant. Good morning, everybody. Please do pop your questions below. Um, just a quick question. So when you do go to a, a masseuse and they've got their, their cupping your head in their mm. hands and mm. they gently kind of gap your the base of your skull, is that why that tends to relieve headaches? Yeah. Because they're opening out that... Yeah, they open area. out, it's called the suboccipital space. It's the space underneath the occiput, which is the back of the skull. That's why it feels good, because they're taking the pressure, they're opening out that area so you can get the blood flow, you can get the nerve flow, etc., working more effectively, and it unloads those muscles, which will most likely be in a lot of spasm. 
Okay. Imagine if you, if you had to do this all day and just squeeze your arm and, and tense it all day just to look straight ahead, this bicep's going to go into a state of just contractile spasm and it's just going to be locked up. So that's when they say, oh, it's very tight and tender up here because these muscles are like this all day in order for you to look straight ahead. Because if they weren't, if you relax, you'd be looking at the floor. So after a while, this just starts to cramp up. So when you finally take some pressure off it, it feels really nice. Um, but we need to do it in a more sensible way, understanding the real structure of your spine, rather than just trying to just get in there and do something simple. And is that routine something that people can do every day to prevent it? Or is it something that you that you should do once you're getting the headache coming on or the migraine coming on? So we generally suggest try it when you get the migraine coming on. Um, but also try and do it as a maintenance thing. Mm -hmm. You know, don't feel put off. If I know the thought of these things, and many of the rehab exercises that we normally recommend, initially the thought of doing them is is quite not repulsive. But you think, oh no, I don't feel like doing that. I'm not feeling good. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I just want to, you know, lie, lie in bed lie and in and whatever. <laughs> um, but actually, try these exercises because they're taking the load off, even when you feel you don't want to do it. Give them a go a couple of times and see how it affects you. Um, because evidently we've been going into a dark room or we've been doing the other bits and pieces for a while and they're not changing the migraines. So you do it, yes, on a daily basis, as I said, a couple times a day, because what is it? It's 10 minutes each time. So it's, we can all fit the time in to do that. Mm. We just need to create, create a quiet space for a moment. Maybe that's some TV watching that gets removed and we do spend 10 minutes on the towel instead or 10 minutes doing the routine uh, instead. But do it as a maintenance routine and then also use it as a relief-based routine when we are feeling like something's coming on. And what often happens then is instead of getting a full-blown full blown migraine or full-blown headache, people start to find that it, it never quite comes. So they don't get it. And then, and then that feeling of almost having it starts to subside. But that can take a long time, especially if that neck looked like the one we had on the screen uh, a little bit earlier on yeah. that side. Okay, brilliant. And Sue has asked here, can tense neck muscle slash neck pain contribute to a sinus problem? Um, in, in, you could potentially argue it could have an influence because the sinuses are going to drain areas of our sort of facial region. And if the muscles are tense down here, they're going to, they're going to block the lymphatics. But generally, the sinuses drain into our back, into, the, into our throat. So it's less likely to have that much of an impact, to be completely honest. So there is something that you can do for your sinuses, Sue. Um, if you kind of tap on your finger going along your face, I don't know whether so it's... Like yeah. Yeah, that, that tends to help drain yeah. your sinuses. Because they basically um, drain into your throat and into your nose. Yeah, um, so, so if there's any blockages there, um, it can build up a little bit. Yeah, you can give that one a go and see if that helps you. Also, if um, you've got a bit of a cold coming on, there might be a bit of inflammation around here, which is also going to block the uh, drainage. Yeah. Um, Kate has asked here, when my neck is really bad with the awful... Uh, when my neck is really bad with the awful headaches, I have found that tucking a bag of frozen peas in a tea towel and holding both ends, um, pulling it up, almost causing a traction. Um, does this help? Is it okay to carry on doing that? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, if you're pulling in the sort of direction that um, I discussed with the uh, band, then yes, it will do. Um, with most likely we've got a bit of inflammation in the neck, etc. And if you're pull us, pulling sort of in that direction there, then that would make sense if we're going through that way so there's no reason why not why, why we couldn't do that and because you're using a tea towel the broad applicator would be generally i would say a good thing it'd be almost like using a so because you're using the ice pack 
uh, the broad applicator would be a good thing uh, because it's going to really help open out the disc spaces in the neck as well as provide some of that icing relief. So just make sure you don't move too quickly once you're finishing cake because if you do dismount a little bit faster the muscles don't particularly like the ice obviously as we well know um, and therefore you just want to move a little bit slowly until they warm back up to normal temperature but they'll do that of their own accord in the subsequent couple of minutes. Okay, great. Um, I can see that we've got some more people coming on. So I'll just move on to a question that Sally had. Yes, um, that was yesterday. To, yes, in relation to yesterday's, no, last week's topic. Um, oh, okay. But so, yes, while other questions are coming through. So Sally asked here. Um, it was about the discs, wasn't it? It was, yes, an, it was annular an annular tear. tear. So if an MRI report uh, refers to a small um, annular disc tear, what does that mean? Does it suggest a stage between a disc bulge and a herniation. Okay, so the disc tear, it's not really suggesting either of those because they, they would make a separate comment on the presence of a central protrusion or a posterolateral uh, disc bulge or herniation, etc. What that's saying, the annulus, um, we've touched on this in, new, in, in numerous live streams, but I've never really gone into that much detail. The annulus fibrosis is basically a series of ligaments that are layered with one another. They're layered in a perpendicular format. So the one ligament's going that way, the next one's going that way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as you go through the disc, they work together to stress and protect the, the central part of the disc from leaving. And therefore, if we have tears or a tear, they're just saying one of those layers of ligaments is torn and inflamed. Now, the problem with this is that those layers are arranged and they may not say one specific layer. They may be talking about a collection of layers because they might not be able to be quite that um, that specific on the MRI because it's not magnified enough. Um, but what they will be saying is that some of those layers are injured and therefore if we're going to rotate we, we always talk about avoiding forward bending and twisting as we rotate we put the extra stress on every other one and if that happens to be some of these torn ones it really is going to put them at a, in a state of vulnerability if we're doing too much in the way of twisting and bending so it's something really to bear in mind but what they're essentially saying is that there, there is ligament damage in the lower back the annulus fibrosis is the ligament collection that they're talking about being damaged and that damage there is going to resist the nucleus moving out less so what we want to do is we want that that disc to heal we want those ligaments to heal mm. how do we do that we take pressure off them we're doing things like the towel exercise etc we're providing more stability so the spinal column moves as a unit rather than stress going specifically through that one particular segment i think it was l45 um, but I can't remember exactly, but it, whichever one it is, if, our, if we've got more core stability, we're going to allow all of the spinal joints to work together rather than stress being exposed on one. And if we do have a bit of ligament tear there, that one's gonna be a little bit more wobbly, which is why we get you guys in the back in shape to move um, swiftly into providing stability mm. and protection for this region because the protection can build up quite quickly. Our muscles, and, 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 and Sally, you'll know many of the other, the other uh, Many of you watching this will know that you can make improvement in the muscles rather quickly and move from through phase two and into phase three, but the ligaments take a long time to heal. I think the last part of that question was, do they heal? And yes, they yes. will go through <laughs> and heal. The, the bit that won't heal is when we lose the disc material. Once the nucleus is out, 
can't really put it back. That's that's the thing we want to avoid. So when we've got annular tears or annular fissures and those sorts of things, those will, with time, given the opportunity, heal. Now, depending on how chronic they are in the presence of scar tissue, that can affect the, the, the rate to which they heal and the success to which they heal with. But if it is just a sort of an annular tear, then with time and the right sort of rehab, we can protect it and create a shielding environment so those ligaments can heal. And the same of this is true. You get those sorts of findings in the neck as well, particularly in, uh, I will just show you guys, in that neck on the top up here. You can already see there's some disc degeneration in the middle part of that neck and the same things will happen in the neck as they do in the lower back. So that particular question, um, that was the reason I asked to, to, to cover it today yes. is because it's so relevant to the lower back, but also in the neck because these two areas have very similar functions, very similar roles, and therefore the ways in which they can go wrong tend to be very similar. And the things we need to do have principally similar approaches. Okay, so um, I hope that helps, Sally. Yes. Um, just going back to the, the, the headaches um, and the spinal neck curve, yep. can that be changed? Um, can you realign your neck curve? How long does it take? Will that help you in the long run with your headaches and migraines? So you can make changes to the neck alignment. That's one of the things we do in the clinic and on the MayfairClinic.com we have um, examples of, of people that have come in and before we've and done yeah mm -hmm. we've done before and after x-rays which are, is really awesome to see it does take time however and the same thing can be done with the lower back it takes around about three to four months you can make a 20 to 25 percent or really close to 25 percent improvement in the curve in that region providing there's no no profuse degenerative change if we just have a simplistic loss of curve like that we can make substantial improvements that being said, there's a slightly different protocol involved in that, and we don't tend to recommend to you guys on the live streams uh, to start to go down that route. You really need x-rays, because otherwise you don't know where you're trying to increase curve. You don't know the nuance, uh, nuances of your particular spinal alignment and where that extra curve is needed, uh, and therefore it would be wrong of us to tell you guys to go ahead and do these things that could change your spine um, as if it's not done under observation. You could actually change it too far, and I've seen that before. Okay, brilliant. I think that is everything for today. Thank you everybody for your questions. That's brilliant. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us guys. Uh, we really appreciate it. And thank you for those questions and Sally, that particular one. Uh, thanks for asking that yesterday and hopefully you find the answer useful. Um, that's pretty much it from today. I was go just going to say tomorrow we've got a different type of live. We're going to be going live from the clinic. Yes. So do bear with us because we're going to be doing that on our, using our mobile phones. So, so it might, it might be, be a little bit different. Yeah, that one might be a little bit different. So hopefully you guys are going to find it interesting. Hopefully you've found today interesting. Again, if you're new to the channel, please do Ooh, consider sorry. subscribing. Just and we've got, yep, we've got a question go from Michael since we're still on. I yeah, just sure. want to throw that one out there. Um, carrying out phase two of the program into day three. Is there any issue with cycling during this phase? I'm thinking about uh, the one per week for about one to two hours. I, I If you're in phase, if you're early in phase two, I yeah. really would leave the cycling out. Um, especially if it's a road bike. I'm, I'm assuming a one to two hour ride would be a road bike. Um, there are certain uh, compromises that we, we often talk about later on. 
Uh, the reason for cycling is that you're in a f massive forward bending position for extended periods of time. As I just discussed, actually, it's very, very interesting. You mentioned that question. Lara obviously mentioned just before about the way in which we can change the curve in the neck. That's done through through consistent stress of 20 minutes a day for three to four, uh, three to four months. The cycling position, although the load may not be on there, it's that forward bending for an extended period. Cyclists, I'm, I'm assuming you tend to do in that road bike, road biking in the country, for example, um, and you're in that over position for extended periods and the strain or the stretch that that puts through those ligaments particularly in the discs and in the lower part of the lumbar spine as they are trying to heal is not advantageous as we want them to heal and tighten up and if you're spending two hours stretching them out that's probably not going to be advantageous for that knitting together process that needs to take place in those discs. So as a compromise, I'd leave it out until you're into phase three. And then later on, what we normally advise for people in the phase three that really do enjoy that cycling is try and break it up a little bit if you can, especially on those long bike rides, you know, where you're doing, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100K. Um, one, try and break it up, and two, you must, must, must get on that towel immediately afterwards. That's non-negotiable. Get on that towel in the lower back. It's just gonna help undo some of the strain, and that way, once we're off and recovering nicely, it's a way for you to benefit from maybe the social aspect of cycling uh, and the cardiovascular aspect, aspect of cycling whilst not doing too much damage to your back. And I really would advise that, you know, for the long term, if you are a keen cyclist, um, please do use that. And also try your best to raise the handlebars a little bit and drop the saddle a touch. That will also help uh, with reducing the burden on the lumbar spine during those activities. Okay, brilliant. Hopefully yes. that helps, Michael. Yeah, Michael, he said, uh, understood. Thanks so much for responding. Yeah. Of course, we are here every weekday. For yes, we guys. are here every weekday. So if you happen to have watched this after the fact, I know many of you guys do watch this later in the day. Maybe you're at work right now, or maybe you're busy, or maybe you're on a different time zone and you're sleeping right now. Um, if you do have questions, please do ask those. We do respond to the comments as well. And much like Sally's question, we can always bring them into the next live stream and answer those as well. It gives us great uh, topics for conversation. It also, the questions that you ask can benefit so many. I know for Michael's question, for example, many people watching like cycling. Mm -hmm. And therefore that advice, that question, popping up with that question is helpful for not only the question asker, but also everyone else who's watching this that may partake in those activities. So thank you very much for your contributions, everybody. We hopefully you have a great afternoon. Enjoy yourself. Tomorrow, 9.15. Tomorrow we'll be in 9.15 on the live stream. Hopefully you'll join us from the clinic and have a great afternoon. See you then.